Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Where you already found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Uh, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm my host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by the the country's leading dumb franchise boys historian, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, yep, in our white tees. I'm glad we unofficially matched like uh, two giant children set in a, a some photo shoot that only uh, uh, we can see on our, uh, on our Zoom. Guys, if you want this premium video... Uh, stay tuned. Who knows? That might be an option in the future. Anyways, um, we're not here to talk, Dem Franchise Boys, who I don't know where they're from. I'm going to guess Florida. Um, we're here to talk the city of Paul Wall, Bun B, uh, Chameleonaire, uh, Scarface, etc., etc., etc. I could I could go for years. Um, eight time, baby. We, we talk in Houston today. Dem Franchise Boys officially from Atlanta. So, solid work there. Oh, I apologize to them. Florida, Georgia, there's a line there. It's it's I, it's fine. I'm sorry I went on the wrong side. So, I'm in a, I'm in a mood to be leaning like a gas gauge post up like a mailbox. So, I just I sorry. I, I apologize to all, all the Dem Franchise diehards, the, the, the Dem heads who listen to this podcast. I love it. So, yeah, like Kyle said, we're not here to talk about them looking boys. We're here to talk about a Dana Holgerson, not looking boy, but actually Dana Holgerson. We're going to talk about the U of H Cougars. We're continuing <laughs> our uh, season preview series. We gave you BYU on Tuesday, Houston today to make up for some lost time. We'll uh, have our burn orange lenses and we'll close the show out with a special Godzilla Tron brought to you by uh, a couple of voices that you may never have heard before. We are 44, count them, 44 days away from Texas football kicking off against the Rice Owls. We're moving swiftly through our season preview series. And as we told you on Tuesday, this is your rare double preview week because we had some scheduling issues. But we're excited to get our second of the new members of the Big 12 represented. If you're not, if you're new with us, because every podcast is somebody's first, we are going each and every week, well, except for last week because we had scheduling issues, through one of Texas's opponents to get a preview and some insights from the people that know them way better than Kyle and I could ever possibly. So we are on Houston this week. And to help Help us out with the Cougars. We have Sam Raz, the co-founder, co-host, co-editor, co-publisher, co-chief of the Scott Holman podcast. Man, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me, fellas. We, uh, Gerald is a Texan, but we're both from San Antonio, but I have now um, been in Houston for more than 10 years. So common law, I am a Houstonian. Um, it is official. Uh, I think I have to say I love you to it. And I have. So I think we are, I'm officially a common law Houstonian. So it's nice to have um, a man who understands where the streets of Holman and Scott actually are here uh, on the podcast and uh, a fellow Houstonian, or at least one time Houstonian. You need to, as I say, you need to have spent a hundred days living in Houston where there's a high of at least 95 and humidity of at least 85%. At that point, you are signed, signed and sealed. You are a common law Houstonian. As, as you said, it's very funny. Actually, our first few years of existence... We got a lot of as we, you know, tried to get guests or 
people just reach out to us, ask which one of us was Scott and which one was just holding me my co-host. We're just like it's 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 an intersection, but I'm I'm Scott, I guess, and my co-host is holding sure. We'll, we'll call fair it enough, that. Fair enough. Whatever gets you on the podcast gets guests on the show, right? Exactly. We're going to jump in. Houston is joining the Big 12 after spending the time between the Southwest Conference and now in the Conference USA and the American, uh, jumping in uh, at a really interesting inflection point in college football overall. But I'd love to know from you, man, just as a uh, as a Houston grad, a, a Houston, a Houstonian, I think is the right way to say it. Um, yep. And what's the what's the mood around UH and the UH faithful uh, ahead of the big move this year? I think it's just excitement to be playing teams that actually have count alums and fans of people we actually might run into. I mean, yes, we shared a, com- a couple conferences, like you said, with, with other Texas member institutions, but you're, if you're in Houston or honestly, DFW, Austin, San Antonio, any population center in Texas, odds are you're not running into an SMU fan. Odds are you're not running <laughs> into a, a Tulane fan. And those were like your two proximate, really close schools. And it was kind of like, we're really, I, I think back to about three or four years ago when UConn left uh, the American as it was, and kind of what they told us was, hey, you know, the league competition hasn't necessarily been the problem. It's just that we're, ne- you know, us UConn fans in this case, so we're never running into a Central Florida fan or a Houston fan. You're running into Providence and Syracuse and all those schools. And so I would say it's not a, a perfect thing, but if you're a U of H fan, odds are you have, you know, a friend, relative, family member, whoever went to Baylor or Tech or TCU, even the Oklahoma school. So I think that's that's the exciting thing. And I know every fan should be, you should be a fan of the team first and foremost. But I think I can just realistically acknowledge that the home schedule that U of H has this year is magnitudes more likely to bring in the casual sidewalk or maybe one level above casual or sidewalk, but maybe one rung below diehard fan like we don't want to admit you want to say oh you're going for the home team you're going for the team that you're an alumnus of but let's be real the the schedule i think the schedule will bring in a different level of sidewalk fan you're probably seeing that on your side with the potential of bama coming versus i don't know iowa state or k-state or on and on yeah it's 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 again i'm sitting in houston there is a there is a buzz here and and i don't just mean uh, Dana Holgerson on his 14th Red Bull. There is a, a palpable feeling here. I think there is excitement for sure. I will be, uh, it'll be like a home game. I will be at the U of H UT game and I just get to drive down the street. But speaking of Dana, he's in his fifth year uh, at U of H. He's had a great season, a good season, maybe two bad seasons in there. Um, had a phenomenal season two years ago. Really high expectations. I think a lot of people had him as a trendy New Year's sixth pick and they go eight and five. How does the general fan base kind of feel about Dana right now? You know, as you enter the Big Twelve, coming off of last year, where you sit, what's the what's the vibes with Dana? It's not the best. Uh, I think that would be the, the three word <laughs> answer. It's uh, there's some frustration. I think there is acknowledgement that hey, like two seasons ago was good, and I think any intelligent U of H fan would acknowledge that he was going to have to. Uh, I don't know if I can curse or not, so I won't. I will say he had to eat s for a year or two. <laughs> Just didn't didn't inherit a roster that was that good. Didn't inherit a roster that really lined up with what he wanted to do and that you saw it in 2019 and i think actually in a 2020 where he, where we don't have a global pandemic i'm not saying u of h would have been a conference style contender but i think it would have been a six seven wins flirt with bowl eligibility kind of team i think no one really judges him for the 2020 season but like a lot of things i'd like to see what that looked like without that season being really I mean, it was a disaster across college football but i think with u of h especially i think we had six games 
uh, canceled that year, and and most of the six being fairly winnable ones. So that's there. But I think there's a still a great frustration with how last year went because I think even going into the season, even when we had high expectations, we knew that was going to be the last year of Clayton Tune and Tankdale. We knew those guys were some degree of draftable pro prospect and some degree of you know, pretty good to very good, depending on your opinion, college football players. And to see those guys really have a senior season or last season on campus wasted like it was, that's that's the bitter pill to swallow. I think some things did go against the staff, but I think it's it's really apparent now in hindsight that the staff really wanted to go 50-50 run pass. And just with Clayton Toon and Tank Dell going to their final seasons with an offensive line that really wasn't capable of run blocking that well and your top running back tearing his ACL in spring ball, it just really seemed like a year primed for him to – go back to what he did at Houston and Oklahoma State and I guess early days, West Virginia. He just didn't seem to realize that he had to do that until late third quarter against Memphis and we were down three scores and U of H has this insane comeback win. And they kind of realized it, but even even at that point, that kind of aired out offense, exposed the defense. So it was just, I, I think it's a frustrating season. I think U of H fans, regardless of who the head coach is, would acknowledge that even if it's a head coach that we love, this is going to be a tough first year to transitioning to a much better general level of competition. But I, I think it's frustrating. I think there's an acceptance that, Hey, he's probably gonna be around for this year and the year after that, but there's not a lot of enthusiasm about it. I believe his exact quote. And I, it's one of, I, I just, my favorite thing about U of H back in the big 12 is having Dana quotes back in my life. Um, I think he said he has five years on his contract with a effing impossible buyout. So there ain't no effing hot seat. In his mind, which God bless Dana, um, I'm sure yeah, he's fans- gonna say what he thinks. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you cannot, like we said, and, and like him saying things like, I don't take responsibility for this after the team has like three straight hundred plus yard penalty games, they don't hit so well. But you know, the guy's being out, like, the guy is saying what is on his mind at the time. I mean, I, you can't fault him, right? There's there's a point where coach speak gets uh, to be a little too much, so that's one of the things oh, yeah. that makes I'll Dana get- Dana, right? Yeah, it's probably so- his most redeeming quality, honestly. He, <laughs> he was, you know, plug, 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 he was on our show last month I really enjoyed it I enjoyed his candor he may, he might have talked around a couple of the harder questions but I still left that 30 minutes later feeling like I got what this guy feels right this time so yeah only or certainly one of his redeeming qualities right there <laughs> <laughs> I love it uh, so you mentioned Clayton too and having to replace uh, a guy that prolific in what 4,000 yards 40 touchdowns uh, Donovan Smith coming in who you know played some some solid football at Texas Tech, but uh, definitely didn't pass for 4,000 yards. Uh, what are you expecting from him uh, kind of immediately stepping in in this Holgerson offense that's going to want to put up some yards and points? I think it's weird. What I'm most excited about with Donovan Smith, who hasn't been named the starter, but is the presumptive star. Dana said it at media days that, yeah, it's an open competition, but also said in no uncertain terms that Donovan is definitely the leader in the clubhouse right now. I think what I'm actually really excited to see is what they do in the run game with Donovan Smith. I know he's not like I think what people may not realize with Clayton Toon was he was actually, he was a good runner. If Clayton Toon didn't have as many hamstring injuries as he did, I think Dana would have let him run at least for seven, 800 yards uh, this past season. Donovan Smith's not that kind of runner, but he's also, I think, maybe a little better than Clayton Toon in short yardage situations. I know Tech, even when he lost a starting job last year, still used him as a goal line and short yardage kind of package quarterback. So I'm excited to see what they do there because I think, and we saw with Tuna times, Dan has done some creative stuff in the QB run game. He's not just a pure air raid guy anymore, which I guess, you know, you guys having seen West Virginia a number of years probably know that pretty well. But I think that's what I'm most excited to see is how they use him in the run game. Cause I think 
he's a bit sturdier of a runner than two. He's not as explosive a runner, but one thing that's been a constant these last four years from good to bad with Dan's offenses here is the run game has been a struggle out. McCaskill has a good individual season at 21, but like the team running game still wasn't amazing outside of McCaskill that year. Cause tune was playing hurt most of the year. So I think that's what I'm most interested in. Obviously the passing game, very important. You got to, Got to generally do that to be successful in this day and age of college football. But I, I think the QB running game is what I'm the specific aspect I'm most interested in with uh, Smith as your presumptive Cougar starting quarterback. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, Clayton Toon there. Um, he was also leading rusher for the team. Um, yep. You mentioned Alton Al- Al- McCaskill no longer on the squad. He is uh, yep. in Colorado with Dion. So is there like. Who's going to be the guy? Is it Stacy Sneed? Is it uh, Troy Mathis coming in from West Virginia? Like, who's going to be that workhorse? Because as much as, you know, Dana does like to, you know, is an air raid guy, uh, he generally strives for a little bit of balance in his offense. So, you know, who's going to be the, the, the running back that he leans on to try to achieve that? I really do think it's going to be a three-headed monster. I don't think he's bringing in Tony Mathis to get 25, 30 carries a game. Other than maybe, I don't know, maybe he'll ride a hot hand if he's having a really good game. But Sneed and Campbell, I think Sneed more than Campbell last year of the two top returning running backs really showed some promising stuff. There was just a, a really awful game against Temple last year where the Cougars needed uh, Matthew Golden, the super promising true freshman receiver, to make a diving catch in the end zone to not lose to the worst Temple team of the last 10 years. But the real shame of it was Stacey Sneed had an amazing game. He had like 12, 13 yards of carry. And I think on his last carry, he got hurt and just was never really the same for the final two regular season games and the bowl game. But I really thought at that point in the year, like, ooh, this guy might be separating himself from last year's competition. Don't know if he's entirely done that, but I thought he had a pretty impressive first season of getting any kind of on the field of action. Uh, Campbell, as well, I thought looked promising early, but was clearly playing hurt for the last seven, eight weeks of the season. So I, I think some combination of Mathis along with those two returning guys, I really don't think you're going to see a U of H back more games than not get more than 15 or so carries. Mathis is an interesting one because he's a name Texas fans remember. I think when we previewed last year um, for the uh, for the West Virginia game, he was coming off a Baylor game where he had like 150 yards and averaged seven and a half yards a carry. So we talked a lot about him. Texas defense really showed up and, and shut the West Virginia running game down that, that week. Um, but we I remember talking, so when I saw he transferred, I thought it was interesting. I don't know how he finished the year out, you know, if he was quite that good, but he, he definitely has um, an interesting pop. And so, it, you know, when you talk about a Dana offense and want him striving for balance, you know they'll have some of the run game. But obviously, and, and you saw it last year, what one star receiver will do, you can't replace Tank Dell, right? He, he I think, exceeded, like you even said in the beginning, all of uh, anyone's expectations, but as a casual U of H watcher, I knew his name and was, was, you know, would tune in just to see what tune and, and tank would do, um, which by the way, would be a great uh, Houston gastro pub tune and tank, but um, <laughs> 109 catches, 14 touchdowns, 1400 yards. That's a lot to replace. And you mentioned Matthew golden. Is it golden steps up as one? Is it, you know, multiple players, Brown and man, Jack, some of the new guys, uh, who catches the passes that Smith is throwing, you know, in a Dana offense, there's still balls to go around. Yeah. I think Matthew Golden, def- who you mentioned definitely takes a bigger role. He flashed some really promising stuff uh, last year. I remember there was the second to last regular season game against uh, East Carolina Dell and Matthew Golden, just unguardable uh, against the pirates. And that was one of those like, wow, this guy's only 18, 19 years old. Like, let's see what 
two or three more seasons in college. This guy looks like it, and is, he is the profile of recruit that U of H, just quite frankly, before the last couple cycles, just wasn't getting. Not that he's a five-star blue chip guy, but it was still a guy who was probably choosing like a TCU or a Baylor or a Tech or an Arkansas back in the 2017 or 2018 cycle. So obviously he's he's one. Joseph Manjack and Samuel Brown, who you mentioned, I expect to play a bigger role. Uh, Manjack, I think, should have played a much bigger role last year had he not gotten hurt in week three. He was a really promising guy. He came back at the end of the season, but obviously would like to have him healthy for a full season. But that's the talent that U of H has at receiver. I don't know if there's a position group other than receiver where I would say this staff has gotten the talent level big 12 ready. There's position groups that have guys who I, I think would be promising, but receivers the only one that'll pound on the table and say the staff really has gotten this up to a power five level. Matthew Golden, who you mentioned, two guys in this class who are consensus four stars, uh, Michael Harrison Pilot and uh, Jonah Wilson uh, from the north side of Houston. Those Ouch. two guys, I, I think. Sh- oh, that's right. I was, I, I, again, I completely forgot about uh, Wilson. I really did, honestly. But uh, also a couple transfers, um, Boogie jo- uh, Johnson out of uh, Oklahoma State and um, Joshua Cobb, a San Antonio kid out of Wyoming, who put up some, I think, pretty impressive numbers and just an absolutely abysmal Wyoming pass offense. So I think those two guys as transfers will come in along with the two freshmen, along with uh, Manjack, um, Golden and uh, Brown as well. I think it's going to be. It's going to be very deep. I'm interested to see one guy they brought in for his final year, Mike uh, O'Loughlin from West Virginia, sixth-year guy. Was there long enough that he was playing under Dana, which tells you how long this guy has been uh, in college now. It hasn't really done great for injury luck. If he's healthy for most of the season, I think he'll be a nice option along with uh, a receiver group that I think you, you could go five or six deep in. And I wouldn't think U of H could go the equivalent of five or six deep really to any other position group. Joshua Cobb, shout out. Cody Daniel and Wagner High School, Joshua Cobb, Wagner High School, a legend over there in <laughs> the Converse area. So uh, let's flip sides and talk about the defense uh, because let's just let's just call it what it was. The defense was not good last year. Awful. Uh, 112th in points per game, 102nd in yards per play. Like Doug Belk is the highest paid assistant on staff. Like, is this a make or break year? I know Dana doesn't believe in his own hot seat, but like, is is uh, Doug Belk's seat a little warm right now? And Dana loves Doug Belk. Dana brought Doug Belk with him to be, at the time, the co-defensive coordinator. Uh, I think he was corners or safeties at West Virginia previously. Gave him the co-DC title when he moved to Houston. Then just gave him the sole DC title going into the 2021 season, which was rewarded with a very good defense that year. I think certainly last year may have underestimated a little bit the replacing Marcus Jones, who had a great uh, rookie season with the Pats along with... um, with Pepe Williams, who's uh, with the Ravens as well, but it just clearly, clearly did not recruit effectively at defensive back. And I think last year, this isn't a real stat uh, for obvious reasons, but I think U of H led the country in quarterback hits uh, a second and a half after the ball was released. <laughs> like in that in that window where it's not a late hit, but outside the window where it actually like positively affects something. So they were trying to be. A, aggressive like they were i think fairly effectively the season before and they were just getting burned 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 giving up 77 points to an smu team that was absolutely the most mediocre smu team of the last four or five years they've had some genuinely like decent teams over there and that wasn't the case and they dropped 77 on u of h in regulation probably could have gone for 84 if they'd really wanted to be spiteful like on their last drive that's how 
bad it was at the end of the season. It, it was it was bad enough. I didn't think Doug Buck was going to lose his job at the time, but I wouldn't have ruled it out. And I think the staff has done decent in the portal addressing the big weaknesses. But if you're asking me on July 17th, am I wildly confident that U of H can even be a somewhat below average Big 12 defense right now? I don't know if I am. If you told me right now, you could guarantee U of H will be, we'll say, ninth out of 14 in points per game and total yards per game. I think I'd take that. I, I think that's just where the bar is right now. And I don't think I would have said that two seasons ago. I, I was re-listening to a, a summer episode from last year, and it just felt like a different lifetime in terms of the way I was talking about <laughs> U of H. And I was like, yeah, if Doug, if Doug Belk doesn't get hired away, and now here I'm talking <laughs> with you guys, and I think a not at all unreasonable question of whether – of whether he's going to have more than one season at this program. It's interesting. I mean, you, you talked about a, a tough year and sometimes, you know, you look at the stat that people throw out there returning talent or returning, uh, you know, snaps uh, coming back. And it's not always good, right? If you weren't great. So I don't know if it's good news or bad news that I think your top five tacklers and top two pass rushers are gone. You're losing from a, a defense that struggled some of the contributors, but maybe that makes room for others. There's three names on this roster, and you tell me if they're the three best players on on the roster. I don't know if it's true, but they may be the best-named trio in the entire Big 12 this year. Of course, I'm talking about Hassan Hippolyte, Zakia Strong, and Tri Marcus Cheeks. Um, nice. First of all, are there, are there any better names I'm missing on this roster? Because those might be just the three best. No, those are pretty, those are pretty good. Uh, Tri Marcus Cheeks, Cheeks not, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zacchaeus Strong, that guy. I mean, sounds both biblical and like a power lifter. There's a lot of good stuff <laughs> going on in the, the defensive name. Again, whether they produce or not, they sound great. Exactly. No, I, I, uh, Hippolyte should, as a Hippolyte uh, is moving to linebacker from safety, he should be uh, he should be a big contributor. They took him to media days. He's a defensive captain. So he'll he'll play a lot, whether that's for a good defense is, uh, is very TBD. I will say with Strong, the defensive line coach, that's one thing. This defense has a pretty low Q rating with uh UH fan base right now, but there is still a lot of belief in the defensive line and defensive line coach Brian Early, who uh, if you Cougar fans are very excited that he did not get uh picked up by Deion Sanders as was uh rumored for a bit there as Deion was putting that staff together. So let's let's go ahead and put put the put the button on the uh formal part of the podcast, we'll call it. Um so looking at it, U of H plays a tough schedule this year, right? Ten bowl teams from a year ago, go to Lubbock, go to Manhattan, go to Waco, got TCU and Texas coming to town. What's your prediction for the year? What's what do you got U of H going this year? Uh so my head says five and seven, my heart says seven and five. Okay. And frankly, so I, 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 I wouldn't say I'd be over the moon. Like, I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I wouldn't be over the moon if it's like a six and six season unless really just got racked by injuries and it was a tough road to get there. But I would say, yeah, somewhere between five and seven wins. Six and six, six, and, six and win a bowl and, win a bowl and, 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 and feel good heading the, the next year. Yeah, I would say so. That's fair. Okay. So this is the good stuff. This is uh, it's your first time on our podcast. So, you know, this is all fine. Everyone loves that part. But really, people are fast-forwarding, and then no one fast-forwards, obviously, our incredible content. But they're coming to listen. Yeah, <laughs> they're slowing it down now. This is your cue, folks. Slow it down. We're now to the part that everyone uh, really comes for. This is hurry up often. So we're gonna we're just going to rattle off some questions for you. 
Um, and don't, you know, don't think too long on them. Just whatever comes to your head, to your heart, let her rip. So um, since I know you are a, a born and bred Houstonian, these questions feel better. I was worried. Uh, I'm just going to start with a, with a softball here. Barbecue or Tex-Mex? Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex, Ninfas or El Tiempo? Ninfas. I went, I went there last time I was there, so that's our tie burger, but El Tiempo is quite good too. Okay, best burger or barbecue you can pick. Pick. Or both. Ooh. Or both. I'm going to say for burger, although there are many right answers to this question, uh, my heart belongs to uh, the Hubcap Grill. Ooh, nice. Ooh, nice. nice. Okay. Nice. Okay. I love it. So um, one of the questions we're asking everybody is, you know, the Big 12 is changing. Rivalries are leaving. Rivalries are staying. Teams are coming in. Who is like, who do you anticipate or want to be your like go to rival in the Big 12 kind of starting not this coming season, but the following season when things have settled down? Baylor. I hate, I hate Baylor and I, I would just <laughs> love that. Well, I mean, I think it's a game that has competitive juice because these are two very good men's basketball programs and also just the good old fashioned spite. So Baylor's my answer. We've played tech a bunch. We've played tech more than some of the USA and American teams. And it's never really has hooked as a rivalry. So we'll say Baylor. Welcome home. You're among friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, U of H football, or basketball school. Football, just because it's, it's the state of Texas, man. Like it, should it be a basketball school? I, I am somebody who's been filling out brackets since I was like six years old. So it has been a delight here the last five years for U of H to be actually a good basketball school. Again, not just to have to watch old five slam and jam clips, but it's Texas, <laughs> man. It's, it, it's, fo- it's a football state. Yeah, totally get it. You are one of the 39 schools to have a Heisman trophy winner. So you can't, if you would have said basketball, I was, I was going to chastise you for that for the other hundred, however many who would love to have such a thing. So here's the one that's gonna gonna either rankle some uh, feathers or uh, get people all up in up in arms. Um, you've got you've got to pick an all time dream nil pairing. You got all whatever it might be pre pre nil, current nil, post nil. Who's the athlete? What's the brand? What's the dream nil pairing? I think it would have to be uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, and obviously, I, I would say. Some oil company because he was playing in Houston pre the big <laughs> 1980s uh, oil bust. I love I, I love that I love the idea of just nil with Hakeem yeah. and and and, uh, and Hakeem and Clyde like standing in front of some uh, yeah. some oil derrick. Oh yeah, that's 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 my <laughs> that, pick. There's there's, there's other good answers to it, but that's no I that's think. that's honestly the perfect answer. I love that so much, Hakeem. Who I, I, I'm I, not. I was Go hoping ahead. when you said Hakeem, I was like, is there a milkshake thing coming? Like, are we going to get a dream shake situation? <laughs> Even it might have been yeah. Orange Julius back then. I don't know if there was a good milkshakes <laughs> back in the day back then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, or you could have done Hakeem's uh, uh, grocery store because I, I heard there's rumors of, of uh, certain grocery bags under uh, the counter that would happen to be, you know, Sums of money. It's not important. Um, that's not what we're here to talk about. I'm going to give you one last one. And this one is not easy at all. And I hate to do this because you've been nice. Um, but every time we have a first guest, uh, first time guest on, we hit him with the old schoolyard classic, which again, we've PG uh, updated the name and rated. This is the uh, bed, wed, or dead category. Um, and we are giving you um, Dennis Quaid, U of H alum, Lizzo. Uh, U of H superstar alum or 
Is Bun B a U.S. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. I think he's just general Houston guy. Gerald, you edited my notes. Or I'm going to say that. We're going to edit this. We edit this. We edit It happens. International, international acclaim movie star Dennis movie star Quaid, Dennis Quaid, U of H alum, uh, international, uh, international pop sensation, pop sensation, incredible artist, incredible Lizzo, artist Lizzo, and and international, international person, person who has lookalike, who has contests, lookalike contests, contests uh, after him, uh, after Kenny him, Rogers. Kenny Rogers, Ed Wed or Ed Wed Lizzo, or Dead Dennis, Lizzo Quaid, Dennis Quaid, and Kenny, and Kenny Rogers. Rogers. I'm gonna say Bed Lizzo. Nice. Wed Kenny Rogers, very partial to the gambler. Uh, nice. To the point that my significant other uh, told me I had to stop uh, humming. No wind, no wind. I will not. I will not make your listeners. Uh, and uh, I guess that leaves <laughs> Dennis Quaid uh, Quaid dead. Wow, uh, Randy Quaid will avenge you. That's that's a uh, that's, that's tough. A tough that's one. tough. It's either like, if it hadn't been Lizzo and Kenny Rogers, I believe. I was say I believe Kenny Rogers is a football alum too, but that. Oh, I didn't I know be, he played. Football. I could be I could be misremembering. He's definitely U of H alone, but I could be misremembering that part. So. I'm going to I'm going to choose to believe that. But he didn't go pro. He didn't go pro. He knew when to fold. He knew when to fold. He did. He knew when to walk away. Knew when to walk away. Knew when to walk away. Knew when to run. <laughs> Speaking of knowing when to run, Sam, thank you so much for the segue and for helping us out with our U of H preview, my friend. Uh, that if folks want more of what you got to offer, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, so we're the Scott and Holman podcast. It's P-A-W-D cast because uh, if nothing else, we're just uh, incurable dorks uh, who love puns. We're on yes. Apple, Spotify, every platform that has podcasts on. We're also on Twitter as long as that website exists at S-H-P-A-W-D cast. We're probably the most active there as well. We're also on uh, Facebook where I post uh, about once a quarter. Uh, <laughs> so that so really really active up there. But S-H-P-A-W-D cast on Twitter, Scott and Holman podcast, wherever you get podcasts. That's where all of our stuff is. Awesome. And well, this is so this has been a pleasure, man. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a shame was, we only get one year of this. We'll have to figure something out for basketball too. Yep. I would say I would say please because uh, the football season's not not doing a whole lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know I'm, ex- I'm I'm genuinely excited for just a different slate of teams and bigger names, but you know, it's yeah. it's much more fun when you have the expectation going in that you're going to beat three quarters of them at least. I I, I get you. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Exactly. I agree. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, man. All right, Gerald, let's take it from Houston back to burnt orange. A little burnt orange lens. Let's take a look at the world through burnt orange colored glasses. Uh, Starting at the top, Haley Hernandez placed seventh at the World Aquatics Championship in uh, Fukuoka, Japan, in the one meter. Haley Hernandez, a a Longhorn legend, trying to get ready for those Olympics. Um, Still... Still current Longhorn, but uh, keep competing on the world level. She could go pro. For sure. Uh, top U.S. finisher at the event. So, yeah, she's got uh, the Olympics are, are within her sights and around the corner. So I'm curious to see uh, how that works out because, you know, Texas uh, basically represents the U.S. in swimming and diving in a lot of ways. And so I'm curious yes. to see uh, what, what that group shapes up to be uh, in the coming weeks. Stanford and Cal will have true. a little Very bit true. to say about that. But yes, yes. I, I, it's Virginia is getting in there, but uh, traditionally, yes, um, 
Traditionally, you're you're not wrong. Uh, speaking of uh, Florida, I think that's where uh, what's his name was from. The uh, who's the big lock <laughs> uh, Anyways, uh, t- speaking of representing your country, uh, there we found a segue. Texas X's Emily uh, Frolich and Daisy Mazio Manson will represent the senior national team at the 2023 World Rowing Championships. That is uh, in September in Belgrade, Serbia. I've always heard Belgrade is beautiful in September. I <laughs> uh, don't know if that's true at all. Um, but they uh, they will be basically if you win this, you're you're automatically qualified for the Olympics. So this is everyone's looking at Paris in. 20- I mean, it's it's an outdoor event, right? So it has to be at least not not like terrible weather, right? Like it's pro- honestly, it might be that's pretty nice, nice uh, if they're doing a rowing championship there, but uh, both the rowing and the women's eight, which Texas has uh, been very successful, at least outside of this last year. And so uh, I think they're probably got a pretty solid shot of, of getting there and, and hopefully uh, representing the, uh, the United States. You and I are big fans of seeing how many countries Texas is larger than in the Olympics. So we'll uh, hopefully they'll uh, add to the number and we can uh, be bigger than maybe Serbia. I don't know. Typical uh, September in Belgrade, high of 79, low. Beautiful. Let's go. Beautiful. Who's moving to Serbia? Let's do it now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Keeping it rowing, uh, Caitlin Nifton, Anna Jensen, and Sofia Calabrese were all named to the All-American team. Nifton and Jensen were first team. All-Americans and Calabrese earned second team honors. Finally, uh, women's basketball incoming freshman Madison Booker tips off with the FIBA U19 Women's Basketball World Cup. All these uh, Longhorns, as Gerald said, uh, representing their country at all levels, right? Even young, and then you get to hit the full team as well. We run the spectrum. Uh, That will be in Madrid on Saturday. Now, I do know that Madrid in July is, is, is nice because it's Madrid. I've never been. Want to cross it off the list? It's all good. But no, uh, She's she's uh she's got multiple world championships under her belt. She was was part of the U sixteen and U seventeen world champion team. So uh, hopefully she can add. I don't know. I don't know what happened to the U eighteen, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so U nineteen. She skipped eighteen, getting to nineteen, and uh, hopefully bring someone other gold. And for the next segment, I am introducing myself for anyone who is confused to this beautiful angel voice on their podcast. I am Drew Carpenter, Kyle Carpenter's amazing, perfect, beautiful wife, and I am joined by Adrienne Goodridge, Gerald Goodridge's amazing, amazing. perfect wife. <laughs> uh, and we are taking over the Godzilla Tron. Yeah. So, Adrian, what are you watching on your big giant screen these days? Well, uh, it's Gerald's favorite show. My favorite show. Okay. The okay. latest season of Love Island. Uh. Literally just started at had just pressed play opening credits right before uh, we were given the auspicious invitation to lead this segment. So I'm brand new into this season. I don't even know any of the castmates or anything like that, but I'm ready for it. I'm excited. So how long have you been watching this show? Not super long. I haven't watched too many seasons. I think I've watched a couple of seasons of uh, Love Island USA, a couple of seasons of Mm -hmm. the UK version. Haven't done Australia or anything like that yet. But it's just okay. a nice show to have going when I need to do chores or I want something on, but I don't oh, yeah. want to pay too close of attention. Quality entertainment. Do you pick up any of their banter or any the of bands? their sayings when you of watch it? Of course. The I bands? pick up the bands. 
best part of watching it. You get to like take a little nuggets around it's your daily so life of all the things that they it's say. It's so great. I love it. I love it. What are it. you watching on your Godzilla Tron? So I am actually just finishing a rewatch of Insecure, which just got added to Netflix recently from, I guess they're in syndication these days. And Issa Rae, who is the creator and lead actor, has been on a media tour for Barbie. And I have been following her like a mad woman, (laughs) like all of us have. And she reminded me that Insecure was on Netflix. So I started binging it and I have been... Just so happy. I've already watched it, but rewatching it just makes me feel all the warm fuzzies because it's just a phenomenal show and people need to put it back in their rotation because it's a really well done See, show. We haven't watched it yet. It's one that I've wanted to watch. We both wanted oh. to watch it for a long time. And every time I have the space to watch it, a little birdie in my ear says, no, I want to watch it too. So it gets paused mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. haven't, I mm-hmm. haven't gone to watch it yet. So maybe, uh, maybe we'll fair. make it happen. Maybe sprinkle it in. How, speaking of sprinkles, do you have any other media or, you know, entertainment that you have sprinkled into your fun oh, time? Do. Any podcasts, any books? I am a equal media opportunist here. So <laughs> for a book, uh, odd, oddly enough, I just so happened to start reading a certain book called The Golden Cage which was recommended to me by a one Drew Carpenter. <laughs> it's so, so good. I just a couple of days ago started reading it. I haven't had a whole lot of time to get into the thick of it yet, but I am very interested to see where it goes. I cannot wait to hear the recap of this because this there will be a <laughs> part two segments, people. So everyone just buckle segments. up. But so that's you're going to enjoy that's it. one form of media that I'm consuming is the golden yeah. cage. And then also you're going to have to go on a little nerd journey with me for this podcast. I'm, I'm ready. I'm buckled up. I'm already so, in the car. Shocker that there's a nerd journey involving Gerald's wife. So uh, <laughs> I listened to a podcast. Uh, it's more of a audiobook format because what mm. it is, it's called ETL Echo and they do enemies okay. to lovers and specialize in Dramione, that is Draco and Hermione, fanfic books. (laughs) (laughs) The niche of this is so good. The lead narrator for ETL Echo is Hermione. She sounds just like Emma Watson. Uh, And so um, I have just, I've just dived, divin, down that Devin. rabbit hole Dovin. headfirst over the last few months i read a particular particularly phenomenal fanfic uh that's about a thousand pages long a few months ago and ever it. since I then it. I love it. uh it's handmaid's tale inspired literally the best thing i've ever read in my entire life and uh so now i'm just a dramione diehard fan here so that's that's where i spend my podcast time is on a spotify podcast called etl echo you are dropping gems over here i feel like it's gonna be hard to follow but i'm gonna try but that's really great there's anything that i know about you you have a plethora of gems yourself (laughs) i have a plethora of opinions just like my counterpart named kyle um lots of thoughts lots of opinions on a lot of things um book 
Um, one book that I read recently that I think would be a great recommendation for not only women, but for men of all ages and races and preferences, it was called The House of Eve. Um, and it's a really, really, really well done book. It follows two characters and it parallels their life back in the, um, I think the 60s. Okay. Uh I don't want to say too much, but it's a really great book. It's a page turner. And I met the author at an author series here at a bookstore in Houston. And after meeting her, I was already hooked. And then when I read the book, I was just, I fell more in love with it and her. That is fantastic. So the House of I Eve, top tier book. I actually convinced my book club to read it this month. So I get to revisit it again. Um, and then podcast. Podcasts, if you know anything about me from any nuggets that my husband has shared. I just like to have fun, you know? <laughs> and when it comes to <laughs> movies or music or podcasts, I just want to have fun. I want to giggle a little. So there is a podcast called Normal Gossip. It's on Spotify and it literally is what it sounds like. It is anonymous stories of gossip submitted to a host and she talks about it with a you know, surprise guest every week. And gets their take on very low stakes, anonymous <laughs> gossip. Very much that. like the the HOA is upset about someone bringing ducks to the pond. You know, so something that Sally it's not Sue's going to harm anyone. All the time. Every week. And it's so piping hot good because it's people. <laughs> it's it's real. There's emotions. And then I get to like leave. I don't have to be a right. part of the gossip. It's just like, you know, it's just fun. It's it's just like, you know, sitting around drinking margarita, but on a podcast. I love that. I'm going to have to check that out because we all need a little low stakes drama in our life. Very low stakes. Lots of giggles to ensue. Um, So, yeah, those are some great recommendations, Adrian. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Sorry to the boys to have to follow uh, us up now. It is going to be tough. I suggest if any followers or any listeners have really enjoyed this (laughs) podcast, you leave three orange hearts under any of their recent posts mm-hmm. or, you know, on a comment if you want to subscribe. Yeah. Feel, what you, feel free to do what yeah. you want to do. That sounds great. Thanks again to our much better halves for helping us out in a week where Kyle and I were extremely boring. Um, I did not have on my bingo <laughs> card getting out nerded by my wife in that segment, but it happened. Uh, and I'm okay with that. You know what? She's been the better half of for, you know, the better for like a decade now. So uh, I got out nerded and I got to step my nerd game up. But Kyle, if folks want more of what you <laughs> have to say brother where can they find you on the internet uh you can follow me on twitter at kyle carpenter you can also find me on threads with the same name you can find me on twitter as the texas pregamer at texas pregamer you can follow me on twitter i am at gh goodridge i'm on threads as well but i haven't threaded i don't know what it's called in like a couple of weeks now uh you can catch me there at gh goodridge as well follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod facebook and instagram the longhorn republic threads the longhorn republic shoot us an email yeah. longhorn republic at gmail.com we'll be back next week we'll resume our position previews we'll close out the offense with the offensive line we've been trying to do it for like two weeks but things happen and you know what it's okay times change people change we're moving on to the offensive line and then we'll obviously do our next team preview as well and bring you the Oklahoma Sooners. Kami R is going to be back with us next week to help us preview the Oklahoma Sooners. We actually have two guest hosts next week because Kyle is absconding to uh, parts unknown. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Until next time, hook up. Hook up. I still hate that we're the second best podcasters in our own homes. <laughs>